Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode 104 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show in store for you guys today. Uh, we have an interview with the great uh, friend of the pod, uh, friend and mentor Kyle Cushman is here with us. Uh, got a grow tip on uh, the period of time right after germination. So uh, post-germination grow tips. We got some questions uh, from you guys that I'm going to answer, as well as a little bit of news at the front. Uh, and a brand new advertiser to tell you guys about, Seeds Here Now. Uh, so the show today, 104, is brought to you by Prime Superior Inoculant, Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, and Seeds Here Now. Stick around for episode 104 of Grow Bud Yourself. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, welcome back, and uh, we are here with episode 104. Uh, very exciting. Hope you guys had a great uh, holiday season and a good uh, new year. Here we are in 2023 with episode 104. How you feeling, Mike? Doing well. It's good to be back. Um, we took a little bit of a of a break at the end of the year, but we're back, and we're going to get back on track, and we're excited to do so. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be uh, putting out these episodes uh, much more frequently for you guys here in the uh, in 2023. Um, so I hope you guys will stick with us. Hope you guys can also join up uh, on Patreon because we got a lot of uh, plans to do some uh, extra bonus material for people who support us uh, on Patreon, even at the four dollar and twenty cents a month level, uh, which is great. Any one of you guys out there listening, uh, I know there's thousands of you guys. We've got uh, something like forty five or so Patreon supporters, please join on there. I mean, it's like a cup of coffee, especially if you drink cold brew like I do. Uh, you know, it's usually like five bucks a, a coffee or whatever. So, you know, that's if you don't make it yourself. I mean, you know, brew your own. Uh, <laughs> go brew yourself. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Spinoff. <laughs> That'll be our next yeah. show. Yeah, we'll do a, a, a home home uh, coffee brewing mm -hmm. show. Uh, but like I said, f even for the $4.20 thing uh, per month, uh, it's super supportive of us. We really appreciate it. And you'll get some extra stuff and all kinds of uh, freebies at all the different levels of support over there. So check out Patreon 
uh, com slash Danny Danko. I would really appreciate if you guys would go on there and do that because that really, uh, you know, that keeps us keeps us going and it's a way to, uh, to show your love, you know, and give back if we've ever given anything to you as far as uh, improving the quality of your grow. Uh, but I digress. Uh, I'm sure there's been some some uh, news that's occurred in the cannabis world since we last spoke. Oh, golly, yeah. uh, so Mike, what the world yeah. of weed did never well, rests. I'm, yeah, I mean, Connecticut, I think, just went online that's today. Right, that is our top story. Rec sale. Yeah. So yeah, today we're recording this. I don't know when you're going to be listening to it, but Dan and I are recording this on Tuesday, January 10th. And uh, this marks the start, as Dan mentioned, of legal rec sales in uh, Connecticut. And Connecticut's adult use program is kicking off at seven um, already established medical marijuana dispensaries across the state. And Dan, believe it or not, um, Connecticut actually legalized pot nearly two years ago. Uh, Governor Ned Lamont signed the adult use bill into law in June of 2021. Then legalization took effect in July that year. And it just doesn't seem that long ago to me for whatever reason. But um, back then, the state had originally planned to begin retail sales by the end of 2022. So I guess launching sales in January of 23, that's that's pretty darn close. Um, Connecticut's law allows adults 21 and older to possess up to an ounce and a half of pot. And uh, you could keep five ounces at home or locked in your trunk, uh, car trunk or your glove compartment. Uh, the state will also allow home cultivation of up to six indoor plants, and that will start July 1st of this year. So while retail uh, sales began with the seven shops selling cannabis, the state expects up to 40 dispensaries to open up by the end of this year. And then finally, we should just mention that Connecticut's legalization law also includes automatic expungements of past uh, uh, marijuana convictions, and the state has already cleared out around 44,000 cannabis convictions. So that's great. Absolutely. Good news for uh, the state of Connecticut. Uh, again, if you don't want to go to the stores and buy it, you can grow your own. And that's uh, that's really special that they included that, even though it's only six plants. Uh, just grow big plants. You know, it's no big deal. Just a longer veg, a bigger container, uh, and you will never have to buy pot again. And isn't that uh, what this is all about? Yeah, with the the plant limits, well, more states come online. I feel like you're kind of directing some of your grow advice more to just just growing bigger plants. If you can only grow six, grow them big. Yeah, maximize each plant and uh, fill up a bunch of jars, and you know, give give away what you can't consume yourself, and have a great time and enjoy. Uh, and you know, we should also mention New York also opened the first shops uh, while we were away. Mm -hmm. Uh, just before the end of the year, uh, Housing Works on Broadway uh, near Union Square became the first shop to open up uh, and sell adult-use cannabis to any uh, over-21 resident of New York. Uh, so that's pretty awesome, and that's going to continue to expand um, all throughout the city uh, and upstate, which uh, I think New York is going to be a huge market. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, I mean, you know, everyone thinks that I'm not unique, uh, in that I'm, <laughs> everyone knows it's going to be billions of dollars, uh, in legal weed sales here in New York. So, um, that's exciting. And we also have the grow your own thing too, which is great. So, you know, if you don't want to participate in, you know, the, uh, 
legal marketplace. You can still grow your own. Uh, there's going to be uh, social equity. Uh, we hope that they handle that properly as well, but it sounds like um, they are at least making an attempt. Yeah, they, they are. And I, I personally think that the city uh, was just getting tired. If you walk outside, you, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a store that's selling cannabis already. So I'm, I'm glad that they actually started the uh, the legal rec sales. And that way, uh, you know, government gets to wet its beak and see the very real benefits of uh, legal cannabis. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, those stores are out there, and those are the unlicensed stores. Uh, and I think, obviously, once more licensed shops start opening, they're going to be cracking down on them, uh, on the unlicensed ones, uh, which is a shame. But at the same time, you know, uh, does make sense as far as the government side of things is concerned. Uh, for me, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of over, you know, it, overlap there where. Um, people are still going to be getting their delivery service stuff. People are still going to be getting their uh, underground stuff. And then the people who don't have those connections uh, or would prefer to purchase legal uh, cannabis that's tested uh, are going to go to the legal market. So I think there's going to be sort of coexisting markets for a while uh, until things get sorted through and settled. But uh, I just hope the government's not going to be too heavy handed as far as um, how they treat uh, the underground, because that's really where the fire is too. So, uh, you know, uh, you got to incorporate as much of that into, uh, the legal world as possible. And I think that there's gotta be a way to do it right without, uh, crushing, you know, the, the legacy market, you know, the, the, the the whole point is we're not going to jail for this anymore. Uh, we're not being raided. We're not, you know, getting har- hassled and harassed. We don't have to look over our shoulders all the time um, and be a responsible user, too. I, I talk about this a lot, but don't go smoking in it, you know, kids playgrounds and <laughs> things like that. Just, you know, be smart. Yeah. So let's move over to Maryland. Um, Maryland. I don't know if everyone remembers this, but they're one of the recent states. They legalized the possession and sale of cannabis last November on Election Day. Uh, marijuana is going to be legal in Maryland on July 1st this year. And according to a new study by Cannabis Public Policy Consulting, retail sales there will reach a billion dollars in just two years. Uh, the study anticipates legal pot sales in the state will hit $240 million a month. That's a lot of scratch for a very small state. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, indeed. And uh, they... They have quite a concentrate uh, market down there, too. It's, it's pretty interesting. For sure. So good on Maryland. Uh, let's look at Minnesota real quick. Um, uh, we all know that not all governors are supportive of marijuana law reform. South Dakota comes to mind. Um, but Minnesota's governor, his name is Tim Waltz, and uh, he's thrown his enthusiastic support behind legalization. Uh, he's encouraging state residents to sign a petition aimed at advancing legalization So in the wake of last year's election, last November, the Democratic Farmer Labor Party controls Minnesota's legislature and governorship. So pretty much everything there. And Waltz believes that now is the time to push a legalization bill through. Uh, The lawmakers there have a revised bill that's been introduced after similar legislation stalled in committees back in 2021. So now with support of lawmakers, legalization could be a reality in Minnesota, Uh, Waltz is doing his part. In an email blast, he wrote the following. Minnesota's current cannabis laws are doing more harm than good. 
it's time for us to follow common sense and harness the proven benefits of legalizing adult-use cannabis from expanding our economy, improving our criminal justice system, creating good-paying jobs across the state, and creating more space for law enforcement to focus on violent crimes. Minnesotans deserve the freedom to make responsible decisions about cannabis use themselves. I like the sound of that. And uh, I know it's pretty cold up there <laughs> in Minnesota, so <laughs> I have a feeling cannabis can help people, uh, you know, stay at home, stay warm. Uh, that cold, cold air is great for making hash. Uh, <laughs> you know, you want to be in a very cold environment when you're when you're making hash. So uh, Minnesota could become, you know, quite a hash producing region with, uh, you know, how much ice ice they have and, and how cold it is. Uh, you know, abundant supplies of, of ice and uh, abundant freezing cold air uh, is wonderful. I mean, a lot of hash makers in, in warmer climates have to, you know, refrigerate their rooms and and uh, buy ice or make their own ice. And I think, you know, maybe Minnesotans got a leg up with, uh, <laughs> with how it is there. No, I love it. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, so let's do one more. A story, and this is back in the Northeast where Dan and I live. This is Maine. And in Maine, adult use sales have nearly doubled in 2022. According to the Office of Cannabis Policy, which oversees the industry in the state, recreational pot sales brought in around $159 million last year. And that's uh, nearly twice as much as the previous year's total of $82 million. Uh, medical marijuana has long been the larger industry in Maine, but maybe recreational cannabis is finally catching up. In fact, adult use dispensaries are increasing. In roughly six months, the state has seen a 20% increase in the number of dispensaries selling recreational pot products. So that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Maine, you know, I got to say, they have some of the highest quality uh, on the entire East Coast. Um, as far as the varieties that they have and how properly they're grown, um, everything is pretty much small batch, uh, a lot of living soil, a lot of organics, a lot of uh, people that are really doing it right and for the right reasons and with the right vibrations uh, and actually creating some pretty compelling and incredible products, uh, whether it be their amazing flower uh, again, concentrates with all the cold weather. Uh, our friend Jen Doe up there uh, making some some fire solventless, and uh, and even edibles. I mean, there's so many so many unique uh, and interesting edibles, uh, and even glass blowing and and, and ancillary uh, community products like that. It's just um, it's quite a culture up there, and definitely uh, a major part of the the Northeast and the whole East Coast. When it comes to you know fire and uh, high quality, amazing cannabis, this is neither here nor there. But do you think it's colder in Maine or sort of in the middle of the country, like Minnesota, Wisconsin area? Huh. I mean, I feel like Minnesota, Wisconsin, it's just cold all the time, like all through the winter for like months and months, and just everything ices up. Uh, and I feel like Maine is cold of course but it's you know they have their 40 degree days they've got their 20 degree days uh but they don't have that like negative 15 degrees that you see in like minnesota uh wisconsin and places like that i mean is it the is it the, the ocean does the, it keep it kind of temperate more temperate 
I guess. I mean, I, I, I guess. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it has to do with the way that the air flows. Um, you know, they get a lot of what you call the nor'easters. You know, they come kind of from below and move their way up. So typically that's warm air working its way up in that direction. So they get precipitation. They get snow uh, and things. But they don't get those, like, bitterly cold days. Now, I shouldn't say they don't. But I'd say they're fewer and f- more far between than they are uh, in the like upper Midwest regions where it's just bleak and desolate and cold for just really prolonged period of time where, you know, the kind of cold where you can barely go outside with any piece of your skin showing, you know, that, that kind of cold. And that's, I think, I think it's a little bit more intense in Minnesota than Maine, but I could be wrong. You know, I have been wrong in the past, so who knows? Maybe, maybe some of our listeners can enlighten us if there's people out there, uh, in Maine or Minnesota, and they want to uh, claim, you know, they're the coldest or they're not the coldest, let us know. <laughs> yeah, please write in. I hope yeah. you guys enjoyed our audition for the Weather Channel podcast. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> and uh, that's a little look at what's going on in the world of cannabis. Um, it went on a little long. Uh, we're sorry about that because we have a really great interview with a, with a great friend of the show. Yeah, absolutely. He was on our first uh, episode ever of Free Weed. He was on our first uh, Grow Bud Yourself. He's been on multiple times. I think he's supposed to get a green jacket or some kind of special award. He's probably been on more than anyone, but he's my friend and mentor, uh, our pal Kyle Cushman, um, 13-time Cannabis Cup winner, uh, known for just all kinds of amazing uh, feats and really a true believer and lover of the cannabis plant. Uh, so yeah, I would say without further ado, why don't we take a break uh, and come back with the great Kyle Cushman. Do you want to take your cultivation program to the next level and grow higher quality, naturally healthier plants? Our new sponsor, Prime Superior, can get you there with simple, safe, and effective products. Whether you're starting with seeds, clones, or your plants are already established, Prime Superior has a product for you. And best of all, you don't have to change anything in your grow program. Just add Prime Superior. Do you want the best biological for cannabis growing? Prime Superior's proprietary strain of Bovaria bassania increases terpenes, cannabinoids, and yield. Inoculate early with Prime Superior and you will see faster germination and larger root mass, which will help you propel your nutrient uptake. Faster growth and more photosynthesis means higher yields and more terpenes and cannabinoids. Plus, Prime Superior has the world's first biological cloning honey to help improve your cloning success. Now's the time to try Prime Superior. Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the code PS420 for 15% off their entire order at primesuperior.com. So don't hesitate, inoculate, and visit primesuperior.com to learn more. All right, welcome back, you guys, and uh, we have a very special guest for you guys. As we as we did with the first podcast and the second podcast, uh, we started with the best, and uh, this is one of the greats. Uh, he has over thirty years uh, as Kyle Cushman, an advocate, educator, and journalist for the cannabis plant. Uh, he's a friend and a mentor, and someone who uh, has helped me in. In numerous ways, uh, 
all throughout uh, my career from when I was uh, just getting started to even today. Uh, Mr. Kyle Cushman, welcome to the show. Cloning for dollars, man. <laughs> yeah, man, we had, you know, there was like a Harvest article I wrote basically based on you just saying like, you could do this. <laughs> I was like, really? And you said like, yeah, you know how to grow and you know how to write. He's like, most people know one or the other, I think you were saying. You know what I didn't tell you back then, which would have been a motivating factor, was that regardless of your skill level as an actual writer, they make you look a hundred times better. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's Did you figure crazy. that out as you, as you started getting published? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was edited by the best to change everything and yeah make me look like a star and then the photography too right. you know when you've got that like too. justin and jeff and right. people like that uh yep. you know they they that two-page spread with your name on it you know what i mean it's like you know it's it's nothing uh i still i get chills thinking about the feeling of like the you know first few articles of seeing them in print in the magazine that i read uh before i ever worked there you know, and one thing I should mention, and, you know, we got to give people their flowers. Uh, when I was a reader in the in the mid to late 90s, uh, you were the first to really champion quality over quantity, as far as I saw. You know, the first article I read that was about uh, organic growing, um, the, the famous poster that Andre shot of, like, Cushman's Harvest, you know, it was about head stash. This wasn't, your, your writing you know, wasn't I about. Know, I don't know that I was the first, but I was the first on staff there. I was yeah. the first person on staff who was both a writer somewhat. I had a, I had a creative mind for it. My, my dad was an English teacher, but I was also an accomplished grower. You know, we had had people there before who were reporters and who were journalists, and who maybe had dabbled. But I was the first person brought on that was really, you know, an accomplished, I had been growing already for about eight years. Right. And, right. and then I gave it up for five years to staff, do the staff thing at High Times. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I mean to say is like that, the thing that happened in the 90s was kind of this shift from sort of, you know, the, the million dollar grow room, you know, the, the big professor Afghani, uh, huge rooms with uh, rock wool and, and, and automated systems and all that to like a closet with just, you know, a QP to a pound growing in it of head stash that was going to end up in jars and basically kept by the grower, you know, not stuff that was. Well, even again, you know what it was? You know what it was? It was, it was, it was, there was a lot of people before me that did that same thing, but they were a lot of one-offs, you know, right. what I had was I had already created a little network of growers that I'd taught to grow those eight years that I grew before I met high times. So when I had to shut down growing, I had a, I had a handful of people who were more than willing to let me come in with Andre and take photographs you know, not to mention, I started up, you know, the the, email, the the mail thing going so that I would get people to, you know, write letters and the whole thing about uh, calling up, uh, calling up uh, the receptionist and like taking a chance and being like, can I speak to Kyle Cushman? Yeah. And then they would forward me a call. And this happened just a couple of times over the years I was there. Just a couple, you know, and I, hey, you want to see a garden? 
you know, just like that, pretty much like, hey, man, my name's Tom. You know, one to all that, the Spice Brothers. That's how I met the Spice Brothers, Tom okay. and his partner, somebody out in California. It was a phone call. He's like, just took a chance. He's like, yeah, you want to come out? And we made, that's it, you know, and people would just call in and yeah, <laughs> some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of my first gigs was answering the phone and, and the people that used to call that place <laughs> was definitely pretty crazy. And uh, being able to have someone to, to transfer calls to uh, that would willingly speak to them was great, too. Yes. Uh, and like if, if I, you know, if I wanted to punish someone, I would transfer some crazy call to them <laughs> as well. You know, no. that was definitely uh, part of the plan over there. But, you know, I mean, what I'm getting at is that the idea of like it being you know, and I think this corresponded with, um, you know, dead tour and, you know, just the, the, the prolification of kind, but the idea that like, Oh, this is the kind and what you're smoking is mids or swag. Or so whatever. I was like Madonna. Now they call it mids. I didn't really have a good voice. I was just there at the right time and place. Well, I, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> not at all. I'm saying, uh, that whole movement, you know, you, you're, 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 you, disproportionately responsible for a lot of people uh, reading those articles and changing the way they grow or newcomers, career. right. Or That's newcomers coming in, newcomers coming in and deciding, you know, uh, you know what? I don't need to grow to make money. I want to grow just to have the best, but, and it's not like an ego thing. It's a connoisseurship thing. And like, that's what that's what I aspire to as well. Although I grew in in both kind of ways, you know. Now, uh, I think you know, and what I encourage in people too is, you you can get way better bud out of a four by four tent than you're ever going to buy at a shop because the bud at the shop is grown, you know, in bulk and it's processed in bulk and it, all of it's happening on a way bigger scale than what you've got in the closet. And so if you have the good genetics. Uh, and you can grow healthy plants, which is something I want to talk to you about as well, because that's the other thing. It's like you can pump plant, you can pump your rock wool full of, you know, GH newts and this and that and the other. And the plants will grow and the buds will form and you'll see the trichomes there and the essential oil is also there. But are they healthy? You know, and that's that's a question of plant food, proper feeding and and lightly feeding. And I think obviously you being a pioneer of veganic growing, you know, beyond organic, no bone meal, no blood meal, uh, no guanos. So no, and, 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 you know, let's be honest of what those things are. I mean, those are slaughterhouse products and poop. And you took that out of the equation and said, you know, feed with seaweed, feed, feed with, you know, these, you know, compost tea, things that are more easily broken down, more easily absorbed and also more easily burned away. <laughs> so well, where do you go from organics? You know, I grew organically for, for 20 years and then, and then all of a sudden the, the idea of veganics came to me through a friend and it was like, that was the improvement. That was the natural progression. And, and I didn't even know what the key back then was, which is heavy metals which is what is collected in all the slaughterhouse bone and blood products that we, that, you know, we, we, we use that are, you know, intertwined with, you know, farming and inextricably, you know, inter inextricably intertwined. So these things 
are always going to be used. Um, I just found, you know, it's still still hard to smoke anybody else's weed because the the absence of a few uh, thousandths of a tenth of a milligram of uh, arsenic, cadmium, mercury, and or lead changes the whole profile, the whole smoke ability and flavor profile for me. It's like, uh, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I guess I, 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 you know what the biggest thing for me is over the years, what what you've touched on is that I still get a kick and self satisfaction out of people telling me that I help them grow because grow. I know that if you learned how to grow, you more than just grew in that one way, you know that because when you learn to uh, provide for yourself and the, the thrill of providing your own medicine, you know, it, it helps you grow spiritually and um, gives your brain space for other things to think about. So I'm really thankful, uh, still really thankful for the, uh, the, the, the reputation that I was able to garner through all that writing and all of that journalism that, you know, that I handed off to you. And, uh, you know, it was, it was quite a time. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, people need to remember that we, you know, we did all that with under the threat of arrest as well, you know, and like, that's what sets us apart in some ways uh, from some of the people doing it now, I would say. Uh, but as far as healthy plants go, like, you know, we talked about feeding uh, and uh, we talked about having good genetics, but what, what else do you think uh, contributes to the health of cannabis plants uh, grown at home? Well, you know, what I want everybody to know is, I said this a long time ago, there are as many ways to cultivate cannabis as there are cultivators. This is, there's, there's so many different ways to do it, right? And all of these nutrients on the shelves in the hydroponic shop, basically they all work. That's why they're there. Um, and so to grow healthy plants, whether you're using some really cheap pennies uh, an ounce uh, nutrient or whether you're making it yourself or whether you're using a really high-priced you know, organic, veganic nutrient, you still have to apply it properly. And that's the trick. And, and, and the trick, like as if, as if they, I just said, it, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, and it, 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 it start learn, learning to grow healthy plants starts with learning to observe the plants in their natural state and understand, being able to understand when they need more or less of something. And that comes through observation, whether you're talking, you know, humidity, whether you're talking temperature, whether you're talking uh, moisture or food, all of these things, you know, it's like cooking, right? You can read the recipe, okay? But it isn't, you, you can't just put it in the oven and walk away on, or put it on the stovetop on most things and walk away. You have to pay attention and you get better at it every time you observe and every time you go through the process. And that's what growing is. 
And the main thing to start off with is feeding and watering. And the best advice you can give anybody starting off is feed half strength. So if you're in grow, just start with a half strength. Because then if you've underfed, you're going to know right away within a few days, you're going to see a uniform yellowing on the plant. You're going to know it needs more food. And you're going to have learned your first lesson about feeding. So the other thing is watering, watering frequency. So what you want to do is you want to fully saturate the pot or media that you're in when you water and then not water again until the plant is virtually wilting. And by lifting up the pot and having some semblance of how long that took and how what a light plant weighs like, you're building up all this muscle memory and all these reference points in your head so that when you come to a fork in the road, that's how you know. Right. Yeah. And now for people that have plant limits, uh, such as us here in New York and pretty much anywhere where there's grow your own laws, it's like, oh, you got six plants per person, 12 plants per household, whatever it might be. Um, the limit, as I always say, is on the amount of plants, but not on the size of the plants. One of the things that you also sort of pioneered, or at least uh, to the public, is super cropping. So can we talk a little bit about um, super cropping techniques and how people can maximize the, the yield of, of uh, just a few plants? So now you said, you said it early on there that uh, there's no limit on the size of the plants. So if you're growing in a, and you have a big space um, and you have powerful grow lights, you can grow one pound plants. Nobody's stopping you from doing that. And if you grow one pound plants, super cropping is not going to be as advantageous as if you're growing small compact plants where you're trying to limit the amount of vertical height, the amount of horizontal space they take up. And you're trying to fill that space with as much as you can. Super cropping was actually a technique that I learned from a really early medical patient in, I believe, Ontario, Canada, that I don't even know how I met this. Oh, yeah, I met this person through NYPD, through uh, the, the, the Organic Traveler. Just somebody wanted to meet me. I ended up going out there and doing this story. And this kid had one 1,000 watt with a 45-inch parabolic reflector with a vertically hanging 1,000-watt light. And under that light, he managed to fit four plants that were stadiumed. They were, they were bent and super-cropped so that they had four tops on each branch, four different levels, bent and trained, so that because, again, he had a plant limit. And he was only allowed to have four plants. And that's where I basically learned that you could twist and break the inner herd of the plant, which basically gives the majority of the rigidity. And by doing that, you uh, the plant within 24 hours regrows that area and it widens the nutrient highway for the plant to suck up water and nutrients. And as somebody once pointed out, if you don't start at the bottom and crack the stem and make that bigger, because that's the first part of the funnel, then all of the branching stuff, again, you're not going to take as much advantage of. So by breaking the plant every inch or so, twisting and break, snapping, just the inner herd, the plant will stand straight up um, on a weekly basis. 
you can create these knuckles and joints in the plant so that they stand up. They don't need trellising or staking much. And it inhibits uh, 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 vertical growth and it uh, maximizes internodal spacing. So it decreases internodal spacing so that you increase the size of your colas within a smaller amount of space. Now, how do you keep from going too far? I mean, like really actually damaging the plant, like Back. Well, you only want to do it weekly, and you don't want to super crop the same area again. You want to, you'll, you kind of can see and or feel where you've broken each branch or the main stem. And the next week, as the plant grows a little more, you kind of do it up a half an inch or an inch from the last break. And so they're thereby um, creating a really, really strong, sturdy plant that grows girth at the same rate as it grows height. Right. And I used when I used to do it on a regular basis and do it a lot, I used to end up with plants that were wider than they were taller. So I could get a you you were you you photographed me holding a grape ape plant that was once like it was like two and a half feet tall, maybe three feet tall, but it was three and a half feet wide. So right. you know you can get um you can get very intense reaction um when you do it right, you know. Absolutely. Um, now let's talk about uh, HIDs and LEDs. Have you made have you made the conversion over to uh, LEDs from high intensity? Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. who would have? You know? Do you know how easy my life would have been as a gorilla grower 25, 30, 35 years ago if I had grow tents? Now, okay, somebody out there is laughing, like, oh, there was no <laughs> tents back then. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> there okay. Was not. You know, it's like, you know, the tents and LEDs make growing in your house about as easy as cooking in a toaster oven. It's like easy peasy. I have a tent in my living room over there and out the back. I vent my uh, my drain, and uh, I have one of those little uh, uh, float valve collectors, and it just spits it out the window. And I have about this much cracked open where I have the uh, the intake for my uh, AC and my exhaust, and uh, it's a piece of cake. I couldn't do that back in the days with HIDs. LEDs are wonderful. Um, I mean, I don't even. I don't even remember my complaints anymore about the difference in trichome production, honestly. <laughs> well, you know, the quality of LEDs has certainly increased dramatically yeah. over like the last 15 years, I would say, since the earliest versions that we would get sent to the office, um, which were basically almost novelties compared to what <laughs> we're seeing now, uh, lights that truly rival HIDs without the electric usage and the heat output of uh, HID. So it's, it is interesting, um, that side of things, but what else, what else do you have going on these days? You said you had some, uh, some interesting stuff happening. Um, I did an episode of television that's going to air in February. Is this the it's, Kevin Smith thing? No, no, I did that, an episode was for Ice right? TV on the most expensivest. Oh, cool. That's and, uh, with two chains. Yeah, and <laughs> I was so blown away. They brought in he brought in Sarah Silverman, so I did it with Sarah Silverman and two chains. 
<laughs> it was a blast. And they uh, visited your garden? No, I actually met them at an undisclosed location. And um, uh, we had a uh, smoking lounge. And, uh, and, and it was all about veganics. And it was all about the virtues of veganics. And we ended up talking about, you know, why craft cannabis is having such a hard time. And, uh, you know, the, it was a lot of griping about, you know, how we fucked up legalization and nobody's making any money except for fucking the licensors and shit like that. And I don't know. I don't remember. But Sarah <laughs> was, was a riot. And uh, she, she's all kind of, she's she's like so. Let me get this straight. So if I smoke veganic weed, will I lose weight? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, we had a lot of laughs. It was really really funny. That's and so awesome. that's so that's airing in February on Vice TV. I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet myself. So um, it's like I think it's the premiere episode of their fourth season. They've been off since 2019. Hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, they, 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 they were off for 20, 21, and 22. Yeah. Hmm. Right on. And, and, and uh, what else What else is going on? You do, I know you've done some um, I'm gonna, amazing I'm, I'm videos. Getting a, I'm getting to be a celebrity judge at the first annual Care Waialua Hawaii Cannabis Cup. Oh, that's right. In Hawaii. Hawaiian so Island. So I'll be out there on February 4th and 5th and go get to see some old friends and relax on a beach and do some mushrooms and yeah, it's a big camping thing. And uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun because I missed Emerald again this year. Me too. And, uh, yeah. I was very, very bummed to be missing. That I'm still one. working really well with uh, um, homegrown cannabis co that relationship is like going on seven years, going strong and they're rocking and rolling. And actually Matt, uh, Nate Hammer, the video guy, uh, who does all the the really cool videos. I'm hoping he's going to come with me. And oh, cool. uh, oh, I, oh, and I thought of another one. I got another gig on um, April 14th and 15th. I'm doing Canifest, uh, presented by the Artisans of Dank, and I'm going to be on the Legends of Legacy panel, which is uh, with uh, Pat King, Pat the Soil King, and okay. um, I think. Uh, uh, Mendo Dope Boys are going to be there, and Swami has done that before. And uh, oh yeah, another thing I wanted to mention was um, we got another cultivar with character, Ed Rosenthal, signed with uh, uh, Homegrown Cannabis Co. And he's you know he just started selling seeds for the first time after all these years because he's very careful. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so now you can get Ed Rosenthal seeds at Homegrown Cannabis Co. And along with um, uh, uh, Ricky Williams and Swami Shaitanya and me and um, who else am I forgetting? Oh, yeah, they got um, Steve uh, D'Angelo, I believe, right? Steve D'Angelo and um, um, uh, uh, the, the guys that are carrying on the dank, Subcool's dank, Victoria. Victoria oh, yeah. is doing a version, ver bringing back all the versions of the Subcool uh strains you know the um the golden ticket and uh, uh agent orange and all that stuff so you can get that stuff through homegrown too yeah that's awesome yeah you've got some good ones on there uh sweet island feminized cherry ak o uh, skywalker og that's pretty awesome and some great videos too uh really well produced uh 
high quality videos on all different aspects of growing. Everything. Um, why don't we get one more tip in uh, as well? I know people have a lot of trouble cloning, um, and I get a lot of questions about uh, what they're doing wrong. Can you just go through like a quick, simple, successful cloning kind of? Well, uh, yeah, I got a couple of pro tips that some people don't know. Um, if you clone in rock wool, uh, your initial soaking of your pH water should be 4.5, not 5.5. 5.5 is your target pH. You want a low pH because you're asking potassium to be widely available because it's the most uh, abundantly uh, required nutrient for roots, for root formation. So, but if you take rock wool, which is uh, impregnate, is used, they use lime to make it, it's a neutralizer. So that 5.5 target pH, if you put it in a bucket of water and check it in the morning, it's going to be 6.5. So although that's an acceptable pH, that's not the target pH you wanted. You wanted to root at 5.5. So you always uh, uh, condition your rock wool in 4.5 pH. That's one thing. Another thing is if you're in any kind of condition where you're need, need of using a heat mat, you know, it's that time of the year when the air is lower than 75 degrees or you just live in that part of the world. When you first water your plants, when you first plug your plants and set them out in your trays and you put the heat mat under it, set your heat mat to maximum for 24 hours because those heat mats transfer a very small amount of heat. And it's going to take two to three days if you set it at 75 degrees before you change that 55 degree water to 75 degrees. So what you want to do is set yourself a timer and max that thing out for 24 hours so that your root zone is now at the temperature you want it within 24 hours rather than 72 hours. The other thing is you don't have to use a scalpel, clean scissors. Clean scissors or a scalpel, um, you're gonna make at least two cuts for every clone. And when you cut them, you're gonna cut them at least a half an inch or an inch or a couple inches longer than the place where you're gonna make your last cut, which is a juncture between a leaf and the main stem. So you cut your clones a little bit longer, you either put them in a cup with some cloning solution or some uh, lightly neutrified uh, solution so that you can take multiple cuts at one time, bring them over to your cutting station, and then lay them down and carefully make your last cut with a razor blade or a scalp clean scalpel. Immediately, within seconds of that cut, put it into your cloning solution so that your plant is trying to suck in air, uh, moisture. And it's like, it's like a vacuum in there. It's the capillary action. So the quicker you get it into the cloning solution, the more of the cloning solution it's going to suck up and less of a chance you're going to get an embolism and have it take longer for it to clone. Those are the basics. Awesome. Excellent. I think that's very helpful for people, for sure. I didn't know the 4.5 thing, actually. Like, I always did the 5.5 and just, you know, it would bring it down, but not, not to the, the target level. So you're right. That's, that's a very good one. Um, well, uh, thank you so much as always for being on the show. You were our first guest on free weed, our first guest on grow bud yourself and multiple time guest on all the shows because, uh, you're a wealth of knowledge and, uh, also a great friend. So I appreciate your support and help. And uh, 
yeah, man, have fun in Hawaii. If anybody out there wants to sponsor me to go out there and sit in their booth and, uh, you know, sell books and hopefully draw a crowd, uh, I am available for that and Barcelona, in fact, in March. So uh, <laughs> keep me in mind. Yeah, I'm available for gigs too. You know, parties, bar mitzvahs. Dan said he's going to work on our stand-up routine. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and we did a gig together here in New York that was amazing a few months ago uh, with our friends at OMG. And uh, that was a lot of fun. It was great to catch up with you. And we we all smoked strawberry cough at 420 all at the same time and had like this really wonderful uh, spiritual moment there. Uh, with a strain that, you know, obviously you're uh, known for and I'm uh, very fond of and, and constantly, you know, we always get that question, what's your what's your desert island strain or your favorite strain? And that's always kind of been mine. So uh, it was fun growing it and always a blast smoking it and especially with great friends like you. So um, thanks always for the support and uh, hope, hope we see you soon. And thank you for, for being on the show. Miss you all, bud. absolutely man take care and uh we will be back after these messages Hey friends, I just want to let you know that friends don't let friends bring clones home. You don't know what the phenotypes are. You don't know whether there's pests or disease on those clones. The only way to really truly guarantee you're growing the phenotype of choice is through seeds. And the best way to get the seeds you want is through Seeds Here Now. Established way back in 2010, Seeds Here Now has been satisfying customers with the best genetics from the best breeders in the world. Pretty much anyone you want, they've got. With an average rating of 4.8 stars, Seeds Here Now is one of the most trusted and respected seed banks in the world. And Seeds Here Now is the only seed bank with a satisfaction guarantee. Plus, Seeds Here Now offers regular deals on seeds. Just click the On Sale tab on their website to see that month's deals on a variety of incredible genetics. And if you sign up for their email list, you'll be entered to win free seeds every time a Seeds Here Now email goes out. And... Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the promo code GBY10 for 10% off anything on the site. So check out seedsherenow.com and get started on your own dream garden. All right, welcome back. And we are now in the cultivation portion of the show. Glad we safely arrived in cultivation. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have an interesting uh, topic for this week. Uh, It's basically a a period of time that people kind of underestimate the importance of. This is basically just the post-germination period, right after the seed germinates. Uh, And it's a short period of time, uh, but actually super crucial and vital to future success. So basically... We talk a lot about germination. I'm not going to get too deep into that. I always want to just germinate right into the growing medium uh, that I'm going to be growing in. Now, if you're using um, a, those type of trays that have a, uh, a plastic covering over them of some kind um, or any kind of thing like that, uh, you know, as soon as you see the, the, the seedling come out uh, and emerge from your medium, uh, the first set of set of leaves you're going to see are, are, are not, you know, the, the, the regular leaves, they're the cotillon uh, leaves. Um, they're rounded. 
and then the next set of leaves you're going to see are going to be the familiar sort of ridged uh, leaves, but tiny, you know, the first ones went as, as they emerge. Now, uh, this period of time, like I said, is very important and it's very short period of time, but uh, you need to, at that point, immediately remove uh, whatever sort of plastic uh, that you're using uh, as, uh, you know, a cover to create more humidity for that seedling in order for it to emerge and immediately get that seedling under light. Uh, and where the light is, is very important. Uh, you don't want the plant to stretch. You want it to be getting enough light uh, right at that seedling level so that it's not going to stretch during this period. It'll grow nice, uh, thick stalks. Uh, and you do that by basically lowering your light as close as you can go uh, without obviously burning the seedlings, basically. So with fluorescence, that's pretty close. Uh, with a bank of fluorescence, you can get, you know, within just a few inches uh, of the top of your seedling. And it's important because for every, you know, let's say six inches to a foot or whatever that you keep pulling that light away, um, that's less and less lumens that the plant is receiving and more and more that it has to stretch. And if, if you've ever seen uh, a seedling that's really stretched out like that, it's it's almost it's very easy to just knock it over uh, because it's so thin because it's reaching for the light. So very important. Um, now, if you're going to be putting these outdoors and you're trying to uh, get them ready for sunlight, uh, you really have to be careful here too that you're not burning these because if they're coming from indoors to outdoors, uh, I would say keep them indoors until they're hardy and strong enough to go outdoors. And if you're going to place them uh, in a windowsill or in an outdoor full sun type of situation, um, you really need to acclimate them to that type of light. So, you know, start with a half hour to an hour uh, per day and just keep increasing that amount of light. Um, but continue using the fluorescent or LEDs or whatever you have them under uh, indoors until they're strong enough and hardy enough to actually go outside. Um, so light is very important. And uh, you also, like I said, I, I would definitely recommend a period of rest of darkness. So even if it's just two to four hours, uh, yeah, I wouldn't go with the 24 hours of light, even though there are some people who recommend that. Uh, I do think that the plant needs a period of rest uh, and that it does do something during the dark, which is actually use up uh, the fuel uh, in the form of food and light. Um, that it's taken in to actually build build up sugars and grow. So, uh, you know, the lights should go off on your timer. Let's say, uh, you know, you can have it 20 hours on, four hours off. You could have it 18 hours on, six hours off, or even 22 hours on, two hours off. Uh, whatever your preference and electrical, you know, interests and all of that. Uh, you don't want to use incandescent lights. Uh, I really like fluorescent lights for seedlings because they're so forgiving. Um, but they do provide enough light if you bring them close enough. Um, now, the other thing is watering. Uh, you got to be careful. You don't just want to pour water on a, on, a, on a just newly emerged seedling. It could break. Uh, and it's also just going to be uh, super waterlogged because it doesn't have much of a root system. Uh, so you have several options. You can water from below uh, so you don't squash them, uh, which is basically just letting them soak up water uh, until the uh, medium is is uh wet enough uh without being super duper soaked uh you can also use like a turkey baster or something real gentle uh spray uh, mist of some kind to water um and you're gonna need to water if the soil looks lighter feels lighter um if it's pulling away from the edge 
of the container in any kind of way, uh, that's a really good sign that, you know, the plant is dry at this point and needs watering. Um, some self-watering uh, seed starter kits have capillary mats. Uh, just have to check the water levels, make sure um, they're at the right level. Uh, and plants at this point can handle a little, you know, a little bit higher humidity. I would say up to, you know, between 50 and 60 RH relative humidity uh, is fine. You just don't want it to be up in the 80s. Uh, or even 70s at this point. That's why you're take, you've taken off the uh, plastic. And you might even see them droop a little bit after you take the plastic off because they're adjusting to a lower humidity, uh, but they will bounce right back. As far as feeding them, uh, you're going to need basically a mild, very, very mild nutrient. I would go with quarter to half strength of anything recommended. Uh, I would go with as mild as possible at this point. If you see them start to you know fade a little, yellow uh first check the ph and make sure your ph is right um but if the ph is right and they start to lighten a bit you can boost the newts at this point but basically they just need an, a, a high nitrogen uh, a mild uh nitrogen heavy uh nutrient for this uh period of time as they're building leaves and stuff um airflow is important too uh you want to make sure there's air uh going uh past your plants, and it'll also keep those stems stronger as well. Um, you can even uh, do the little sort of beat them up trick too, where you kind of, uh, um, you know, just rub rub the top of the plants uh, lightly back and forth, um, just to sort of not break, but bend and bruise slightly the uh, main stem, and that and it'll come back stronger as you're doing that as well, um, and you'll end up with nice short stocky plants. Uh, with shorter internodes, and that's really what you want here. You don't want long spaces between the internodes, uh, just because that's really just a bunch of lumber and space that's going to be taken up, and it's not going to be like as beneficial as what as far as flowering goes. And I know Kyle did mention um, the whole super cropping kind of thing, where you're, you're sort of rubbing the stems. You want to wait to do that until the plant is a little bit bigger, maybe after two or three sets of leaves. Um, the period we're talking about right now is right up until sort of those second and third sets of leaves uh, start forming from when the plant has emerged from the medium. Uh, you just don't want them to stretch. So it is a good thing to, to lightly beat them up a little bit, but don't, don't go too hard on them. Uh, the other thing is if they're in uh, those trays where there's just a tiny bit of growing medium, uh, they're very quickly going to become root bound in those. So if you see the roots popping out of the bottom, uh, it's a great time to pop them into a larger container. I love the, um, uh, basically the bar cups, you know, those red uh, plastic cups um, that are just ubiquitous at every keg party or, you know, every event um, that you go to, you just poke a few holes in the bottom, fill those with your grow medium, and then uh, transplant the plants into those uh, for their, you know, first part of the vegging stage. Uh, so the, you know, once you get them into that bigger pot, you're going to water them in and uh, you're going to basically keep track of when they need to be watered at that point. One last thing is if you're not growing all the same strain here, uh, make sure to label all of these seedlings so you know what they are and have those labels travel with the seedlings. So you always know what it is. Um, you don't want those mystery plants and later come to find out, oh man, this is the one that my keeper Fino and this is the one I'm going to have forever, but I don't really know if it's the from this pack or from that pack or what it is. 
so keep a label on there. Um, one thing I've noticed is if you have those kind of white labels and you and you, you write on them with something that isn't quite permanent and you water, uh, sometimes the writing is going to rub off of them. Uh, just make sure you're using something like a Sharpie, uh, something more permanent. Uh, but just whatever way you choose, uh, label the seedlings uh, and have those labels travel with the seedlings as you transplant them into larger containers. And once you've got them into those uh, larger containers, you're going to see a rapid boost of growth there. Just keep you know raising the light as the plant grows. Um, you can start to harden them for going outside if that's um, your intention. Uh, you know, keep an eye out for pests. Pests love to uh, attack cannabis when it's young uh, and deer if you're putting them outside too. Deer do not like to eat uh, flowering cannabis plants, but they love the young tender shoots of the baby cannabis plants uh, and they'll eat them right down to the ground if you let them. So those are the basics. Proper lighting, uh, air circulation, light feeding, uh, don't water too heavy, um, don't let them sit in water uh, for any sort of long period of time. Use a nice uh, light growing medium uh, that'll dry out fairly quickly uh, for these and that'll let the root system grow quickly as well rather than having to struggle through uh, a dense system. So uh, yeah, a lot of seed starting mixes will have will already have some nutrients in them too. So keep that in mind when you're watering these as well is that sometimes you might just need plain water uh, because there's plenty of newts already in there. Um, avoid excessive moisture. Uh, there's, if there's no room for air, those roots will just stop growing and start rotting. Um, soil that stays too wet is going to suffocate your seedlings. So, uh, please, you know, let them breathe and, uh, you know, uh, thin out any seedlings that you're not going to be growing too. If you've planted two or three seeds in each, uh, cell, um, thin out the ones you're not growing and, uh, and then you can start hardening them off and getting them ready for, a vegetative stage where um, they're going to have a good beginning to that vegetative stage and they're going to be nice and strong and not too stretched out. And you are on the right track to have some really great, big, strong plants uh, that are going to yield uh, a better amount and not gonna, they're not going to need as much uh, trellising and holding up uh, by the way of stakes or, or um, any kind of uh, screen of green type of thing or anything like that. They'll, the plant will, will be strong and hold itself up. So um, that's my tips for that period of time, the uh, just post-germination period. And I hope that helps you guys out and you grow strong plants. There you go. Uh, yeah, my, my takeaway was if you if you rub off your plants and, and beat them off, they'll be happy and the, they get hard. So good tips from Dan. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Excellent tip, though. I think uh, wow. that's that's just good life advice, and everyone can learn from that. So, uh, thank you, Dan. Let's let's move on to the um, the question and answer portion of the show, uh, which is my favorite part of the show because we get to interact with our listeners, and uh, we have a couple of good ones this week. So, let's dive right in with D Man. Uh, D Man writes, "Hi, dudes. Uh, when growing outdoors, I move my carted plants around during the day to maximize the sun exposure." Do you feel that it could be detrimental to the rhythm and health of the plant by doing so? Thanks so much. You're the bomb. Uh, what would you say to D-Man? 
Um, yeah, I would say, uh, no, it's not detrimental at all to the health of your plants to move them around um, to maximize sun exposure. Um, as a matter of fact, I would highly recommend it. Uh, I recommend people indoors also when you're growing uh, indoors. Every time you go and tend to your plants, turn the plants a quarter to a half a turn. Uh, it, it's, it, it, it gives exposure to other parts of the plants that aren't getting light. Um, it strengthens the plant entirely as a whole. And uh, if, if you're maximizing sun exposure um, and you're feeding properly, you're going to get the, the biggest yields as well. Um, so I would say the only detrimental thing would be if you were damaging the roots by like really throwing the plants around. Um, if they were in like, let's say, uh, grow bags that you were kind of like being pretty rough with and the root system was being damaged by moving the grow bags around. Um, but if you're gentle and careful, I think uh, it's great. And so, uh, you know, move those plants around, get them in the sun as much as you can, uh, and you will see that they will grow uh, and respond accordingly. All right. Very good. I should have mentioned, of course, uh, if you have a question you'd like answered uh, by Dan, get in touch with us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, let's move on to our next one. This is also from D-Man. So we had lots of questions this week. Uh, he writes again, hey, dudes, um, if growing with organics, does it matter if the water is pH'd when flushing? Uh, the water in my area is usually between 7.2 and 7.5. What do you think, Dan? Huh. Um, that's a good one. I, I would think I would want to bring that down to maybe 6.5 uh, personally, just because uh, I like to just have the pH be just slightly on the acidic side, even, even while flushing. Uh, so it kind of also depends on the pH of your growing medium. Uh, if you're testing that regularly, and it's, you know, at 6.2 or 6.5, um, you're not going to do a lot of damage by flushing with water that's 7.2. Uh, it's really not going to cause any issues. Uh, it, uh, to err on the side of caution, I would just say drop, drop a couple of drops of pH down and get it to like 6.5, um, 6.3 and flush with that. Uh, but if, you know, if it's, I don't think it's going to do uh, any kind of damage to use water that's 7.2 now you said up to 7.5 i mean 7.5 is definitely more on the alkaline side than i would want to go uh even when flushing but i don't think it's going to really cause a lot of damage what you're really trying to do when flushing is is, is basically pull out a lot of excess newts uh so it's not really quite as important that the ph be perfectly dialed in because um your goal at that point isn't uh the availability of the nutrients, rather um, re the release of those nutrients from the plant and the, and the medium. So uh, I'd say, you know, if if it goes over 7.5, I would maybe start to be concerned about it, but I wouldn't be too, too concerned at uh, 7.2 to 7.5 just while flushing. Now, that's to be uh, completely separated from actual watering during uh, vegetative and, and, and flowering, in which case I would drop that pH to 6.2 to 6.5. All right, excellent. Thank you, D-Man. Uh, this next question, it's a bit lengthy, so bear with us here. Uh, it comes from Gone Postal, and uh, he writes, I just got my new 200-watt LED light. It will be going above my second bathroom's bathtub that I filled with soil to make a living organic soil raised bed out of. I also have a 2x3x4 tent 
that my two cheap lights will go into until I upgrade those as well. I have a six inch inline fan. I was using it for the tent and really it's bigger than needed. I'm thinking that I'm going to put a hole in the wall and run a vent to pull fresh air into the tent and use the inline fan I have to pull air out of the tent on the other side. Uh, I also have a 16-inch circulating fan on the wall and uh, will get some smaller clip-on fans for inside the tent. So my question is, is this a logical way of getting fresh air into the bathroom and tent and getting air out? I'm not too worried about the smell since no neighbors are in sight. Thanks again. Any input would be greatly appreciated. Keep up the good work. And he also has a PS here. Um, Every time you two say indeed, it makes me smile. Maybe I'm just weird, but it gets me through the day uh, along with the episodes and helps me not go postal. So, yeah, what do you say to gone (laughs) postal? (laughs) Wow. Well, I didn't realize we said, I guess we do say indeed a lot, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah i mean i think it makes sense what you're doing i would just say uh any air that you want to pull in you want to pull in on the low uh side of the room and any air that you want to pull out you want to pull out from the top of the room uh so it sounds like you're well on track with that and uh it sounds like you've got enough air uh fresh air coming in uh and circulating so i think uh, i think you're on the right track i would definitely upgrade the lighting for sure, you mentioned two cheap lights and a 200 watt LED. Uh, you definitely want to going to want to upgrade those uh, at some point. But uh, but it sounds like as far as air circulation goes, you're good. Uh, just want to also make sure that uh, you know your temperature and humidity of that air is at the proper parameters as well. You know, 70 degrees or so, 50 uh, percent RH. So that's pretty much you know kind of dialed in for you. Indeed. All right. Thank you so much, Gone Postal. And uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in. As always, if you have a question you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. That email is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we take a little break, come back and put a bow on it? Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right. Welcome back. This is The Wrap. I want to say thanks to Kyle Cushman. I want to say thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Prime Superior Inoculant. Uh, The code is PS420 for 15% off. Uh, Excelsior Extracts, THC-infused pain relief rub. Check them out on Instagram. Uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, the code is Danko15 for 15% off. And our brand new sponsor, very exciting, 
uh, seeds here now at seedsherenow.com. Use the code GBY10 for 10% off all of the seeds available on that site. And there are so many great ones there. So please check them out. And uh, our affiliate, Vapor.com, if you've got any kind of interest in any sort of vaporizers, rolling papers, trays, CBD products, uh, anything, they've got it all. Check out Vapor.com. Use the code GROWBUDYOURSELF20 for 20% off everything site-wide. You will not find another 20% off code for Vapor.com. So please uh, use that code GROWBUDYOURSELF20. If you want any kind of vaporizers, puffcos, volcanoes, uh, pretty much anything you can think of, they've got it. Um, so check out Vapor.com. Um, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, listen to us anywhere you hear podcasts. Uh, and yeah, man, thanks for you guys uh, for participating and listening and supporting us. And we'll be back Uh very shortly with episode number 105 but for now let's put this one in the books 